Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord together. Welcome to SBC. Welcome to everyone who is tuning in online on Facebook and YouTube. It's great to see you. All right. It's all because of Jesus that we are alive. Here we go. Giver of every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Giver of every perfect thing. To you be the glory. And he's the maker. Maker of heaven and of earth. No one can comprehend your worth. King over all the universe. To you be the glory. And I'm alive. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. It's all because of Him. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. And it's all because the blood of Jesus Christ covers me, covers me, and raises this dead man's life. Because of Jesus, I'm alive. Oh, it's all because of Him, giver of every breath I breathe, author of all eternity, giver of every perfect thing. To you be the glory. The maker, maker of heaven and earth. No one can comprehend your word. King over all the universe. You be the glory. I'm alive. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. That's right. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. And it's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, it covers me, covers me, and raises dead man's life. And it's all because of Jesus, I'm alive. Oh, it's all because of Him. Every sunrise, oh, every sunrise sings your praise. Universe cries out your praise. Singing freedom all my days. Now that I'm alive, and it's all because of Jesus I'm alive, and it's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, it covers me and raised this dead man's life. And it's all because of Jesus. All. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raised this dead man's life. 
mentioned a lot in the scriptures, especially in, in, the, in the book of Psalms. And uh, Psalm 51, 12 actually says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And my prayer for us today as we gather is that we will encounter the Lord through worship and through his word and that the joy of his salvation will be restored unto us. This is called the house of the Lord. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory. There's joy, there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out. We shout out your praise. And we sing. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God's still rolling stones away. This is the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet, shout out your praise. Yes, we do. We were the beggars, now we're royalty, we were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. One more time now. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord embrace. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord, 
There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Welcome to Solano Valley Church. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Let's just take an opportunity to greet a neighbor nearby and ask, what is your favorite treat to stay cool? Because we're going to need it today. Folks, let's continue our worship together. Elsa's going to take the lead on this one.
So glad you're with us. Margaret, you want to come on up? So I want to introduce you to a friend, Margaret. I know a lot of you already know Margaret, but uh, really glad that Margaret can be with us today. I'm really glad that all of you can be with us today. Uh, those of you who are joining us either from Facebook, YouTube, we're really glad you're tuning in. Thanks for being here. So, Margaret, real quick, uh, just a, a couple of things. Why don't you move this way just a little bit? We want to make sure you're right in the center, Okay. Uh, for people on Facebook, okay? Uh, Margaret, uh, first of all, this is, uh, 
Just I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay, uh, when uh, and how did you first learn about Solana Valley Church, and what has kept you coming back? Well, my sister came here because of Kimberly. Okay. And, um, you know, years ago, I'd go to church, invite Jeannie. She'd say no when I moved uh-huh. back to Fairfield. So when she invited me here, of course, it's a yes. Uh-huh. And what I love is that it's personal. It's mm. small. Uh-huh. That you get to know everybody in the church. Yeah. And you're a good teacher. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> thanks. You can go back anytime. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's double what we're going to pay her. Okay. Well, well, let me say one more thing. And that song, I want to know how many of you are singing that in your car at the top of your lungs. <laughs> and we whisper it here in church yeah, yeah. because you sounded so awesome. Thank you. Yes, you did. Thanks, Elsa. That, that, I love that song. It's fantastic. Well, fantastic. Margaret, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work and your ministry? Because a lot of people probably don't really know that much about it. Okay. Um, well, all the girls here know I just retired after <laughs> about a 38-year career in the maritime industry. And... Um, For sailors, and that's why I like my drinks, (laughs) for us sailors, when we go port to port and around the world, there's always someone who shows up to the ship, and they got a van, and they take you up shopping, and you can go up to their club and get a drink, um, or go to the store, make a phone call. Nowadays, we have um, Wi-Fi so that the mariners can get on the computer, but somehow I got roped into helping at the Seafarer Center here in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And 90% of world's seafarers are Filipino. And 90% of everything comes by ship. So that means there's someone 24-7, 365 out there working. And when they get to port, that's our break time. But it's not always go up to the bar. Mm-hmm. And so I got into the to help here at the local seafarer ministry in Oakland just to give back. Mm-hmm. And then I would say just kind of in the, the grander scheme, you know, we're, we're told in all things. And so in all things, we should be thinking God in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, go out and make disciples. That's mean we got to go out. But we really don't have to go that far because our backyard, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, the people we meet in the grocery store, now, my people happen to be mariners, so I go and talk to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's the ministry that I do. I'm a port chaplain here in the Bay. And so if there's like a normal day-to-day, we pick them up, we talk to them. With COVID, mariners have been on board the ship upward of a full year. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine going to your office or to your workplace and staying there every day, working every day, for well over a year. And this mm. isn't your family. They become your family. Mm. But anyway, so we started a campaign last year to start vaccinating mariners around the world that they came that came into Oakland. And so now it's changing a little. But the impact has been there's not mariners who want to go to work. So the challenge worldwide of getting people to see, to get the goods and services around the globe has just become really challenging yeah and that's why i talked to gary about it yeah is um it is there's several events over the course of the year that are dedicated to mariners Mm -hmm. and last sunday was sea sunday 
and um, the Catholics have Apostleship of the Sea, and the Anglicans have Mission to Seafarers, and the whole world in all the ports sets aside a day of prayer for mariners. Mm-hmm. So that's what I asked Gary. Can we do this? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to set aside today to pray, okay? Okay. I've uh, talked enough here. <laughs> no, 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 no. So real quick, I want to say, you know, if we didn't have mariners, if we didn't have what they do, we wouldn't have 90% of what we have because so much of what we get comes through the shipping industry. And I, I think it's really fascinating. I'm, 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 I'm fascinated by this, this idea of ministry because I, I look and I think, um, you know, if we reach our mariners, we reach the world because they travel all over the world. And uh, so I think being able to communicate the gospel to uh, to men and women uh, through a ministry like this, I just think is absolutely awesome. So I wanted to ask you one more question. I'm going to uh, then I'm going to. Uh, lead us in a special prayer. Um, you know, we don't have the opportunity to rub shoulders with, with, with seafarers, okay? That's not what most of us do, right? So if someone was thinking about how they could make a difference uh, for Christ in the lives of people around them, in their work, their employment, or uh, if you're retired around just the, the groups of people, what would you share with them? What would you say to them? If someone wanted to help or... Yeah, if someone wants to reach out to people like in their sphere, like your spheres with seafarers, what would you encourage them to do? I think that the, the most important is talking and just a smile sometimes um, and being available to listen. So for us, they come in, they've got um, a couple hours in port that they can actually get off the ship. So we're there to help them. We show up at the gangway with the van to drive them. So I think being present mm-hmm. and being there for someone, whether it's in my world, the shipping world, or, or in a classroom. With, and it's just being, I mean, we don't preach, rarely. Um, mm. Oftentimes I look at pe- pictures of people's family because they're missing them and they're thinking about them. I give them a chance to talk about the wife and the kids and how proud they are. And I think just sometimes that's all we do. We kind of consider the ministry to help strangers in a strange land. Mm. And I think all of us sometimes feel unconnected, strangers to those around us. And it's hard to just say, hi, how you doing? Mm. It's hard because we're shy. But if we just step out a little, whether it's, you know, when we go to the store or in our workplace or whatever is our activity that we like to do, it makes a difference, hmm. and we don't have to know. We're not <laughs> we're not leading them to the cross. We're just watering a little as we go. Okay. So anything that you do for someone else is for God. Awesome, fantastic. Thank you so much, Margaret. So uh, I want to lead us. I want to lead us here in a prayer, real quick, for our seafarers, but also just for I, I think for our community, our nation. Uh, you know, I I, I think what's kind of cool is. Uh, to me, I mean, you've got to hear about Margaret. You've got to hear from her a little bit about what she's involved in. And the truth is all of us can make a difference wherever we are for Jesus. We really can. And, uh, and, and like Margaret said, it's not about going out and preaching to people and stuff like that. Really, a lot of times it's just sitting down and getting to know people. Uh, and, and to me, I think even on the front end, it, it's, it's kind of cool 
is I, I think about, you know, Margaret came to this church. Why? Because someone she knew and someone she trusted invited her. And Jeannie came to our church because someone she knew, someone she trusted, Kimberly Brown, invited her. And the reason that Kimberly Brown came to our church is because someone she knew and someone she trusted, Stephanie Wilson, invited her. And it really is just, it's just living a life of kindness. It's, it's really, that's what it's about. It's about living a life of kindness, being a friend, and earning people's trust. And in the context of friendship and trust, in the, the context of relationships, reaching out to our friends, our family members, people around us who need what we have and, and what we have to offer. So uh, right now I want to pray. Uh, I want to pray about these things and just commit it all to the Lord in prayer. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. Uh, and we can always trust in you. And, Lord, we are so grateful that you sent Jesus uh, as our Savior, uh, who went to the cross to carry our, our sin. And, uh, and through his death and his rex- resurrection, defeated the power of sin and death. And, and, Lord, we call this the gospel. It's the good news. And it's good news that you have given to us, not to keep to ourselves, but to share with others. Lord, I am so grateful for the way Stephanie Wilson was, um, she shared uh, freely what she had in you, with Kimberly, who shared it with Jeannie, uh, who shared it with Margaret. Margaret shared it with Jeannie before, uh, Jeannie with Margaret. But we're, we're just grateful for this good news. And, and, Lord, we're grateful for how the good news is getting out, how the gospel is getting out to seafarers through people like Margaret. Uh, Lord, we do want to pray for our seafarers. This last two, three years, it's become we, we, we really understand how important the shipping industry is because of how COVID has disrupted so much. And so we pray for our seafarers. We pray that you'd keep them safe. Uh, God, I think that when you travel that much, when you're away from family and healthy connections, it's easy uh, to be drawn by other things that aren't always healthy or holy for us. And so my prayer is that among seafarers, there would be a revival, a, a spiritual awakening, that a, a movement of your spirit where men and women come to know Jesus and how you uh, have suffered for them, died for them, uh, and, and how you want to save them. And Lord, I pray for us. Uh, Lord, we don't want to be obnoxious in your name. We just want to love people and be kind in your name. And we want to kindly uh, build trust. And we want to kindly build relationships with people around us. And we want to represent Jesus well to the people of our community and the people of our world. Lord, I pray for our community. I pray for our church. I pray for revival in our church, that you would revive us. And, Lord, I pray, I pray for spiritual awakening in our neighborhoods, and in our community. I pray for revival in our churches. And God, I pray for revival across our nation in in spiritual awakening across our nation. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. Let's stand together one more time, church. Margaret, thank you again. Appreciate it.
the grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea and I am safe on the solid ground the Lord is my salvation will not fear. I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. And who is like who is like the Lord, our God, strong to save, faithful in love, and my dead is prayer, and the victory one, the Lord is my salvation. My hope, my hope is hidden in the Lord. He flowers each promise of His word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. You is like is like the Lord our God. He's strong to save faithful in love. And my death is paid and the victory won. Yes, the Lord is my
more time, church. Who is like the Lord our God, strong to save faithful in love, and my dead in faith, and the faithful one, the Lord is my salvation, the Lord is my salvation. Let's pray together, church. Lord, thank you for being our salvation. Thank you for being our true source of lasting peace, lasting hope, lasting joy. Thank you for providing a Savior for us. Thank you for who you are and all you have done. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. Good morning again. Uh, welcome again. So if no one yet today has said, I love you, I want to be the first to say, I love you. Okay? And if no one, yeah, thanks, Rudy. And if no one has yet said you're, they're really glad you're here, I want to say, I'm really glad you're here. Okay? But more important than that, this is what I want you to know. God loves you. God is really glad you're here. Okay? And in our church, uh, people are welcome. And if you ask me, well, what kind of people, I would tell you all kinds of people, you know, tall, short, wide, not so wide, all kinds of people. You know, it doesn't matter if you are a Democrat, an independent, Republican, or you are something else entirely, you're welcome here. It doesn't matter if you're Asian, black, Hispanic, or, or white, you're welcome here. It doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of money or not much money at all, you're welcome here doesn't matter if you have a lot of formal education or very little formal education. You are welcome here. Young or old, you are welcome here, okay? And we're glad you're here, and this is where we, what we want is we want you to experience the kindness, uh, the kindness of God, the love of God. And that's what we're about, okay? Well, we are about, our, the mission of our church is simply this, inviting people to follow Jesus. Inviting people to follow Jesus, like Stephanie did, like Kimberly did. Like Jeannie did, like Margaret uh, does, like like that's what we want to do. We just want to invite people to follow Jesus with us because Jesus loves people. So that's what we are about. So uh, today we're going to be continuing a study. We've been going through uh, the the book of Exodus, and we're only going to go through the first fourteen chapters. And fourteen chapters of Exodus is a lot. Okay. And uh, so what we're going to do, we're, today we're going to look at the last part of chapter 10. I know we did it last week. We're going to look at it a little bit again today because I want you to see there's a conversation that begins with Moses and Pharaoh that begins in verse 24 of Exodus chapter 10, but it doesn't finish until Exodus 11 verse 8. So sometimes it, when you break it off at the chapter division, you miss some of the action of what's actually happening here. So we're actually going to back up, look at a little bit of what we did last week, but then look at chapter 11 this week. And, and uh, in, in chapter 7 through, uh, really chapter 7 through 14, I'm just going to call it the battle of the gods, all right? Because it is a battle between the God of Israel, the God of the Hebrews, and against the gods of the Egyptians, 
All right. And, and I, you know, to me, it's just kind of fascinating. We we're all kind of drawn to stories. We are, or at least I am. I don't know. I, I think some of you are as well. Anybody like a good movie? Yeah, I do, too. Anybody like a really good book? OK, a couple of us. All right. So, you know, uh, but, you know, I love stories. I love stories like The Hobbit, like The Lord of the Rings, like, you know, uh, Harry Potter. I've not read the books, but I've I've watched a few of the movies or, uh, you know, Star Wars, whatever it is. And it, it's it's interesting in, in stories like these. We see the struggle between light and darkness, light and darkness, between good and evil. And even in our world, we see around us, we see a struggle between good and evil. And in, in these chapters of Exodus, we see this struggle between light and darkness, between the God of Israel and the gods of Egypt. And so there's this, this great battle, this great conflict. And, uh, and it, you know, and, and when we come to this, we need to understand a little bit of the history of, of the, the people of Israel, and I know some of you know this quite well, others of it don't know it as well. Uh, as someone, if you're joining us on Facebook, YouTube, I want to make sure you're with us in this. But I want you to understand is that God raised up a man named Abraham. And God made a covenant with him that he was going to make his descendants like the stars of the heaven. If you could count the stars, you could count his descendants. And then he, and one of the things that God said is that I'm going to give you this land, the land of Canaan, and, and, and I'm going to bless you and through you and your descendants and ultimately one descendant, Jesus, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And what God had told Abraham is he said, I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to curse those who curse you. By the way, that story in Genesis was first written by Moses, read by the original people of Israel as they came out of, Ex- uh, out of, out of Egypt. And so he said, I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And he passes on this covenant to Isaac, his son, and then to his grandson, Jacob, and to Jacob's 12 sons after him. And, and when we read through the book of Genesis, we get to the end, and what happens is that Jacob and his family moved to Egypt where Joseph was because there was a great famine in the land of Canaan. And when they show up in Egypt, the Pharaoh, who was Pharaoh at that time during the time uh, of Joseph, they welcomed Israel to Egypt. They were welcome there. But when we get to Exodus chapter 1, 400 years has passed. And there's a new Pharaoh in Egypt who did not know the Lord and did not know, excuse me, did not know Joseph or the Lord. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and what happened was they began to violently, uh, cruelly oppress the Israelites They began to make them slaves. They spent 400 years in this oppressive, cruel system of slavery. And in fact, they even, um, uh, the the, the, uh, Pharaoh at that time uh, instructed uh, the people of Israel. Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. He said this, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. See, they were trying to exterminate Israel systematically, by killing all the male children. 
This was not just something Pharaoh did. It was something that Pharaoh ordered, but it was something that Egypt was actually doing. And what the Bible tells us is that, that Israel groaned. The nation Israel, the Hebrews, they groaned because of the oppression and the slavery and the cruelty. And they cried out to God. And the book of Exodus tells us that God heard their cry. He saw their suffering. He remembered his covenant. And he was concerned. And so he raised up for Israel a deliverer. A reluctant deliverer, but a deliverer. A man named Moses. And what Moses, excuse me, what the Lord told Moses to do, he says, um, in the Lord it appeared to uh, to Moses at this uh, Mount Moriah. And he appeared to Moses. And what, what the Lord said to Moses, and this is in Exodus chapter 4, and this is not in the slideshow, but in Exodus chapter 4, the Lord said to Moses, he says, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. He gave, God gave him power to do certain wonders. He said, see to it that you perform for, uh, before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but... The Lord says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Okay? I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you to let my firstborn son go. But you refused to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. That is hugely important with where we're at in the text today. Uh, I'd like to encourage you, if you have your Bible, open up. If you don't, if you've got a a smartphone, you can look at it there. Uh, If not, we've got it up on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version of the Bible. I just think it's a lot more readable. It's a fantastic translation. But uh, in the Uh, The Bible says this, beginning in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, it says, and and understand, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. Up to this point, there have been eight different plagues that God has brought on the Egyptians. Up to this point, up to this point, there have been seven times, seven times, where God has said, let my people people go so that they may worship me. This is what you need to understand is that Pharaoh has been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to let Israel go. And he's refused to do it. And the Bible tells us seven different times, seven different times, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. See, it's seven times that Pharaoh hardens his heart before the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. And what we've been saying is that God never hardens a person's heart against their will. He only hardens a person's heart according to their will. See, Pharaoh willfully hardened his heart again and again and again and again. Now, the Lord had told Moses that eventually he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. But the Lord doesn't harden Pharaoh's heart until after seven times um, Pharaoh himself hardens his own heart. And then the Bible tells us that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Then it tells us again 
that Moses hardened his heart. And it's like, it's just, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. In fact, um, earlier in their chapter, some of the officials around Pharaoh, you know, they cry out to Pharaoh, Man, how long is this guy going to be a snare talking about Moses? Let the people go so that they may worship their, the Lord, their God. Do you not see that Egypt is in ruins? You know, even the Egyptian officials were telling Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let the people go. Just let them go, man. This place where our nation is ruined. Verse 21. There have been eight plagues. This is the ninth one. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky. Total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet, yet, all the Israelites had light. Darkness over Egypt, but the Israelites had light. And, and one of the things I shared a little bit last week, and I want to touch on this again this week, because I, I just think it's really important, is we need to understand that there's a theme in the Bible that begins in Genesis chapter 1. And it winds all the way through the end of the Bible. Now, I find this super fascinating, okay? I find this super fascinating that you see a theme that begins in one part of the Bible and winds its way all the way through the Bible. And the reason that I, for me it's fascinating is because I, I, I had to remember, to remember this, that the Bible was written over a time frame of around 1,500 years, a little over 1,500 years. It was written on three different continents. It was written in three different languages. It was written by 40 different authors who came from very diverse backgrounds. We got a fig farmer, tent maker, fishermen, shepherds. We have kings. We have... Um, we have a doctor, a tent maker. We have people who come from really different kinds of lives. And yet there's this one big story that God makes all things good, sin enters God's good creation, and things go really bad. But then God, God uh, ultimately, ultimately, is redeeming his creation. And in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, we read, all things are good again. There's this huge story. And in the story, there are all these different kinds of themes. And one of the themes that shows up again and again, and it begins in Genesis chapter 1, but you can trace it all the way through the book of Revelation, is you see this theme of light and darkness, light and darkness. In, in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, that's, we're talking about the very first chapter of the entire Bible in verses 3 and 4. We're about 25 words into the Bible. And we already see this theme of light and darkness. Because the Bible tells us that God created the light. And he saw that the light was good. He saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And then you read about this. And you can read it in a lot of different places in the Old Testament. And you get to Isaiah chapter 5. And the Bible says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil goodness there are some people who call evil good and there are some people who call good evil and so roughly it would be 2600 years ago is that right actually 
2,700 years ago, somewhere in there. Uh, About that time, uh, Isaiah the prophet says, What are those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Calling good evil and calling evil good. Does this happen in our world? It happened then, it happens now. Uh, In Amos, Amos says that the day of the Lord, talking about a future day of judgment, uh, Amos says that that the day of the Lord will be a day of darkness. It's going to be a day of darkness. No light. It will be a day of judgment. Wow. Wow. And then in Revelation chapter 16, you know, towards the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 16, the Bible says, the fifth angel poured out his bow on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. It's talking about a future time of judgment. It says that people gnawed their tongues. You ever bite your tongue? The people gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven. Because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent. Does that sound like anybody? Does that sound a little bit like Pharaoh? Because they refused to repent of what they had done. It's kind of a dark theme, darkness. But in the middle of this dark theme, there's another theme that runs through this. It's a theme of light. In John chapter... well. Kind of on the negative side, John chapter 3, the Bible says this. This is the verdict. Light, that's a good thing. Light has come into the world, speaking of Jesus. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Okay, I said it was going to get better here. It gets better. See, Jesus says in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In chapter 12, verse 46 of John, Jesus says this. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. See, Jesus is the light of the world, and he gives us light. He has transferred us from the dominion of darkness into his kingdom. It's really fascinating to me as we see this judgment of darkness over Egypt and knowing that one day there is a future judgment coming called the day of the Lord where we'll see this this plague again. A lot of the plagues that we see in the book of Exodus, we see again the book of Revelation in a future day of judgment. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. God makes a distinction between his covenant people, Israel, and the people of this world, the people of Egypt. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Go. You can go. I'll let you go now. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Pharaoh is forever trying to negotiate with God. 
You know, first he says, you can go, but don't go very far. Then he says, go, but only the men can go. Now he says, oh, the women and children can go, but leave behind the flocks and herds. He's like, he's constantly trying to negotiate. By the way, America doesn't negotiate with terrorists. And God does not negotiate with tyrants. Okay? He doesn't negotiate with tyrants. But Moses said, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. He doesn't, real important word here, you must. He's not saying, respectfully, Pharaoh, if it's not too much trouble for you, we would like to take our animals with us. Moses says, you must. This is not a negotiation. This is not a discussion. The final word is not with you. Now, now you need to remember that, uh, that, 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 that Pharaoh believed that he was sired by Ra, the God of the Son, and believed that he was the incarnation of Ra, the God of the Son. When a person grows up their whole life thinking they're a God and everybody around them is inferior, they don't make very good rulers. Pharaoh was not a very good ruler. So Moses says, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We're not going to leave you anything, Pharaoh. We're, we're not going to leave you a cotton-picking thing. This is not a discussion. This is not a negotiation. This is, we are going, our animals are going with us, and you are opposing God. And there's going to be hell to pay. Um, I'll get to the hell to pay part here in a little bit, okay? Uh, our lives, like two, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord, remember how I told you seven different times, then an eighth time, Pharaoh hardened his heart? But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is why it's so important that we really listen to God and that we really obey God. That we not say, okay, sometime later. Sometime later I'll get serious about God, this God stuff. But we do it now. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you don't appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. Now, if you read this and stopped here, you would think this was the end of a conversation, but it's not. Okay? Uh, Walt Kaiser, I think, I talked to you guys a little bit about Walt Kaiser, I think. Uh, he's an Old Testament Bible scholar, probably one of the best Old Testament scholars of the latter part of the 20th century, early part of the 21st century. I actually had the opportunity to study under Walt Kaiser about 40 years ago as a young man. Great guy. We used to call him Mr. Old Testament. There was nothing about the Old Testament he didn't know. Okay, He was brilliant. Absolutely, well, still is. He's still, still with us. Brilliant guy. Really fun, funny guy. Uh, he made studying the Old Testament fun and funny. He really did. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but Kaiser talks about this, and uh, I wrote this down somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, what, what Kaiser says in one of his commentaries, he says this. Kaiser says, and, and I think Kaiser's right on this, that verses 1 through 3 of Exodus 11 are kind of like a parenthetical exchange between God and, and Moses. All right? That what Moses is doing here is he's pausing in the middle of this conversation between Pharaoh and Moses to give us better context for what happens in verses 4 through 8. Okay, and, and that's why the NIV translates this, this text. It says, now the Lord had said to Moses, meaning this is a previous conversation between the Lord and Moses prior to this exchange between Moses and Pharaoh. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh. I'm going to bring one more. This will be the 10th plague. It's going to be bad. Uh, it's in the Hebrew. He says, he says, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he, Pharaoh, will let you go from here. And when he does, he'll drive you out completely. He's not just going to let you go. He's going to be behind the camel pushing it, okay? He's going to drive you out. Tell the people that the men and the women alike are to ask the neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. Basically, taking the gold, the silver, is kind of like uh, remuneration. Remuneration for 400 years of slave labor. Okay? It's kind of like back wages. For 400 years, 400 years of cruel, oppressive slave labor. By the way, the gold and the silver, later we read in Exodus, is used for the construction of the tabernacle, this large tent that was used in the worship of God. Back to the conversation between Moses and Pharaoh, verse 4. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Oh, this is really, really interesting. Um, well, it's probably an aside. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm nerding out a little bit. So I won't go to that. Well, it, okay. Basically what it says in the Hebrew, it's like that Moses, or excuse me, that the Lord would march through Egypt. It's kind of like, you know, the commander of an army marches through. It's kind of like what we see God doing here. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, uh, about midnight, I will go through, march throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son. Remember what God had told Moses in the very beginning? What did he say? Let my firstborn son go. Remember? Remember? Back in, in Exodus chapter 4. I know we're in chapter 11. It's hard to remember. Chapter 4. But God had said, he had already said, let my firstborn son go. Let Israel go, my firstborn son. If you don't, I'm going to kill your firstborn son. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well, meaning every firstborn is going to die. Now, I, I, I think, you know, there was a time when I would have read this and I would have said, well, gee, God, that feels kind of severe. feels kind of severe. You know, Egypt had 400 years to let Israel go. They had 400 years to show kindness to Israel. They had 400 years to let Israel go. And for 400 years, 
They had been cruel and oppressive. Moses gave the order to kill every firstborn son. Or excuse me, not every firstborn son, every son of the Israelites. But it was Egypt as a nation that was killing the sons of Israel. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the, the, the female slave. There will be, verse 6, there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than has ever been, been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal, meaning that, you know, with Israel, it's going to be different. They're not going to experience this. Then you will know. Pharaoh, you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel, the people of God. All these officials of yours, Moses says, all these officials, your officials, will come to me bowing down before me. They're going to come to me. They're not going to be bowing down to you anymore. Now they're going to be bowing down to me. And they're going to say, go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Those are scary words. Those are scary words. Because this is the last, the tenth, and the final announcement to Pharaoh. He has had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent. And he's refused. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. There's a surprise. Uh, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Let's talk about this, and then um, real quick. I think there's several things that we see in the text that are important for us. Uh, One I've already kind of dwelled on quite a bit. Uh, The covenant people of God live in light, while the people of this world live in darkness. For us, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And what Jesus has told us is that we also are the salt of the earth and light of the world. And Jesus has told us, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The covenant people of God live in the light while the people of this world live in darkness. We are to be a light for people living in darkness. This doesn't mean that we're like trying to show off for people or that we're like saying, I'm better than you are. Nothing like that. This is like we're in the light and we're inviting people to join us in the light. That's what we're doing. That's what Margaret has been doing in her ministry with Seafarers and what God wants us to be doing. The covenant people of God live in the light while the people of this world live in darkness. Number two, God gives people ample opportunity to repent. He does. He gives people ample. He gave Pharaoh ample opportunity. He gave the Egyptians ample opportunity. 400 years. 400 years they refused. 
And when the hard word came, they refused. And when the hard word came, they refused. And when the hard word came and judgment came, they refused. And there were more hard words and there was more judgment, but they refused, they refused, they refused, they refused. It was fascinating to me. There's early in the in in this Exodus dialogue, in in when Moses goes to he goes to Pharaoh, and remember, Pharaoh believed, actually believed, that he was the incarnation of Ra. The greatest Ra is in the Egyptian pantheon of gods, like Zeus would be in the Greek pantheon of gods. He's like the god of gods. And he believed that he was the incarnation of the God of gods. That's what Pharaoh believed. And when Moses first comes to, to, to Pharaoh, he says, he says uh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, this is what Moses says to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go. Now, you, you need to understand this. In the ancient world, if me and my people beat you and your people in war, it was obvious. My gods are greater than your gods. Now, if you and your people beat me and my people, then obviously your gods are greater than my gods. To an Egyptian, the god of the Hebrews was a god of slaves. What kind of god is that? I mean, that's like, what kind of pitiful pitiful, miserable, despicable God is that. You are a God of slaves. And and so Pharaoh, with contempt, says this. Who is the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, that I should listen to him? It's kind of like, I don't know, I watched a clip from an old Al Pacino movie last night. But uh, it's kind of like, you know, the, the gangster snarl, you know. You messing with me? You messing with me? You telling me what to do? Do you know who you're messing with? That's that was Pharaoh. He had ample opportunity to repent, but he was so full of pride he couldn't do it. God gives people ample opportunity to repent, and when people refuse to repent and refuse to repent and refuse to repent and refuse to repent, understand this: God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is not wishing that any should perish. That's what the Bible says. God is not wishing that any should, re- should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But when people repeatedly harden their hearts, then God hardens their heart. He doesn't harden their heart against their will. He hardens their heart according to their will. When people re- refuse to repent, God hardens their heart. Fourth thing I want you to see from what we've been looking at over the last few weeks is the Lord makes a distinction between his covenant people and the people of the world. That, you know, in in uh, Egypt was shrouded in darkness, but Israel had light. God was going to march through Egypt, and every firstborn son was to die. But in Israel, not even a dog would bark. Meaning it was going to be a still, quiet, peaceful night. God makes a distinction between his covenant people. By the way, by the way, we are, Israel were covenant people of God through physical ascent from Abraham. They were, they were 
the covenant people of God by birth. You and I are covenant people of God. We are covenant people by having the same faith as Abraham. We are covenant people by faith. By faith in Jesus, we become God's covenant people. The Lord makes a distinction between his covenant people and the people of this world. Fifth, God redeems his covenant people and judges the unrepentant. Now, this is what we're going to see is that ultimately God is going to set Israel free. He's going to redeem them. Uh, but he's going to bring judgment on Egypt. And then finally, sixth, the Lord multiplies his wonders when the wicked refuse to repent. Why did I close my Bible? Now I have to find it again. Um, when the, the wicked, the Lord multiplies his wonders when the wicked refuse to repent. Um, verse 9, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Um, you know, I think <laughs> preaching a text like this is kind of hard for me because it just feels kind of, uh, it feels a little bit like a downer, preaching and teaching judgment. It really does. I mean, I, I think, you know, it could sound discouraging for some of you today. And there is a message of judgment that's in the Bible. But there's also a message of grace and mercy. There is a message of grace and mercy in the person of Jesus. See, God's not saving me because I was more righteous than anybody else. That simply isn't true. The only way that I um, escape judgment is through Jesus. I, I, I don't escape judgment through anything I've ever done or ever can do. You know, in, in my heart, there's been murder. In my heart, there's been adultery. In my heart, there's been envy. In my heart, there's been pretty much every ugly thing you can think of. Okay, I, I don't know about you. I don't know about your heart, but I just know in my heart. I know this. I, the one thing that nobody, yeah, I, nobody has to prove this to me. I know it better than anybody. I know that I need a Savior. I know that my only hope is in a Savior who is fully God, fully man, without sin, who has defeated the power of sin and death through his death, death and resurrection. And I know that it's only through repenting, turning from my sin, not meaning that I'm never going to sin again, because that's not true of any of us, but repenting, turning away from my old life, and then turning to Jesus and putting my hope, my faith in him, trusting him to save me, trusting him to do for me what I can't do for myself. So is there judgment in the Bible? Yes, but there's also hope. Is there judgment in the Bible? Yes. See, see, when you look at the cross, when you look at the cross, you see two things. You see the holy wrath of God for sin. But you also see the awesome love compassion, grace, and mercy of God for sinners. 
You see, the wrath of God for sin. Jesus goes to the cross. All of my sin is placed on him. So that I might escape the wrath of God and I might experience the fullness of his grace and mercy. Now today, I just want to invite anybody on Facebook, YouTube who's watching today. I want you to know that God loves you. He, he, he doesn't want to show you wrath or, or uh, judgment. He wants to show you grace and mercy. God has no delight in the death of the wicked. God is not willing, wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God wants. So i just like to encourage you to do that. And you can do it simply. I mean, as a kid, I remember doing it. I remember my life was pretty much a mess. I remember just um, was really struggling with a lot of rage, a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity. Um, and I remember just crying out to God, God, my life is a mess. You know? And I just said, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to give me eternal life, and I ask you to make me the kind of person you want me to be. That's what I did. You know what? God did it. Now I'm perfect, right? No, just kidding. I'm not perfect. Far from it. But you know what? You know, see, God saves imperfect people. That's what he does. And if that's your prayer, I would just encourage you to pray that privately between yourself and God. And if you do pray that prayer, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, you can email me at Gary at org. Um, you can reach me through our website. Uh, you can message me through Facebook. Um, and um, and uh, if you're here, you can talk with me. You can call me. You can text me, whatever you want to do, uh, whatever works for you. Let me pray for us tonight. Let's let the worship team come on back up. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are righteous. You are holy. You are the righteous judge of the living and the dead. But you are also the Savior of all who humble themselves before you, who repent of their sins and turn to you and put their faith in you. And, uh, and so, Lord, uh, we are so grateful for all of that. Uh, Lord, my prayer that that for us, those of us who are followers of Jesus, following daily, uh, Lord, if there are areas of our life where we're a little bit uh, out of whack, I pray that we'll be repentant and we'll get back on target with you. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Gary, thank you so very much. God's Word is awesome, isn't it? So much we can learn from it. So much we can apply to our lives if we're just willing to courageously obey and do that. Um, before we close out our service with one more song, uh, we're going to worship God through our giving and share. I want to share just a couple announcements with you. You know, when it comes to giving, um, we, we want to give generously and sacrificially, not because God needs something from us not because he needs anything but because we want to show our love for him because we want to show our obedience to him it's an expression of gratitude and trust and expanding joy in our lives that's why we give 
And so there are five different ways you can do that on our website, solanavalley.org slash giving. The Give button on our SBC app, you can tap that and get that process started. If you don't have our app, you can find it on the App Store or in Google Play. Just type Solana Valley Church into it. Uh, for those of you watching at home, you can um, send a check to 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield, 94534. You can also text the word GIVE to 707-883-3019. And if you're here this morning... Uh, you are welcome to put a check in the silver mail slot that's in the uh, in the wall behind uh, Eric in the sound booth back there. Uh, before we sing, uh, I want to invite you to stand, and I want to mention a couple things. Uh, as always, on Wednesdays at 4 o'clock at Journey Coffee on Chadbourne Road, it's coffee with a pastor. Um, Gary and I are happy to meet with you and just shoot the breeze or talk about ministry or talk about something that God's been teaching you in the Bible, whatever that is, we'd love to have you join us. That's Wednesdays at 4. And then also want to mention again that our next picnic in the park will be at Laurel Creek Park on Friday, August 19th at 5 p.m. And this will be just a great time to just connect and hang out and share a meal together, uh, maybe throw the Frisbee or the football or whatever. Uh, we would just love for you to, to join us for that. So make plans to join us and uh, we can connect together as a church. Uh, let's sing one more time. Uh, as Gary mentioned in the end of his message, it's all because of Jesus. Jesus has saved him. There's nothing that we can do to impress God or earn his favor. It's all because of Jesus. Let's celebrate that one more time before we leave. Giver of every breath, sing it, church. Giver of every breath I breathe, author of all eternity. Giver of every perfect thing, to you be the glory. Maker of heaven and earth, no one can comprehend your word. King over all the universe, to you be the glory. I'm alive. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. And it's all. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. And it's all because the blood of Jesus Christ covers me and raised this dead man's life. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. All because of Jesus I'm alive. He's the giver. Giver of every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Giver of every perfect thing. You be the glory, you be the glory, maker of heaven and earth. No one can comprehend your word, king over all the universe. You be the 
so much for being here today. It was wonderful to be with you. Have a great day and a great week.